0: Everybody, I'm Mike Levito, and you're listening to the Pony Express Podcast, uh, the post Riders general interest podcast, not generic interest, thank you very much, there's no such thing. Uh, I-, I edited that out of the other podcast, Mike,
1: <laughs> so no one's going to understand. <laughs>
0: well, we, we recorded, the first, epi- we recorded the first episode of this, or one of the first episodes, and Lars, Lars called it a generic interest thing, which... I mean, if you're interested in generic things, I guess would make it good. Um, but I think the point of, of genericism is that it usually is not that interesting. Anyway, uh, like I said, I'm Mike Levito. I'm joined, as always, by Lars Emerson.
1: Hey, Mike, how's it going?
0: And by Lewis Ryan.
2: I like how you're always joined by Lars, and then you're like, and Lewis is here too. I guess. <laughs> Hi, everybody.
0: He, he, he's, he's, I, I, I read from left to right and he is, uh, his screen is on the left on my screen. So that's why I went with Flores first. Um, also because I like him better. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: yeah. That's yeah. not true at all.
1: Um, my was significantly more We all know.
0: <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, we, we've got a whole, whole host of hot topics to talk about. Um so let let's let's talk about. It. So it's been a big like a big week or two for trailers. We have trailers for uh, the new Matrix movie Matrix Resurrection, uh the new Spider-Man movie Spider-Man No Way Home, and then the new Hawkeye series on uh Disney Plus. So let's let's start with uh sort of the Matrix Revolution trailer Resurrections, excuse me, cuz this was the one that I think like Surprised me the most in that A, I didn't know it was like a thing that was happening. And B, it was also the one that I was like most surprised to find myself excited about, cause I think The Matrix is a fine movie. I have not seen any of its sequels. I never, it's not a thing I ever really think much about, but trailers seem pretty cool. Uh, and I'm interested to see what they do with this. Property, I guess. I don't. I don't know. I do. Do we have? What, what are your guys' relationship slash thoughts with the Matrix? Are, are you Matrix fans? Do you guys not care? Like, what? What? What's? What's the interest level?
1: I like the first one. I remember watching all three when I was like in high school as a completionist, but I could not tell you what happened in any of them other than the first one. Honestly, my main relationship with the Matrix is the Chappelle <laughs> show skit where he goes Morpheus.
2: Yeah, I bet Lars likes the first one up until the end when they start playing Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I'm done. Um, I don't know. I, but Yeah, I like the movies. Um, I like have different opinions on the second and third ones, depending on like when I watch them. I do think they've probably aged better than a lot of like modern film sequels than like ones that would come out like now for certain movies. And I do appreciate the fact that they released two movies within six months of each other for <laughs> the sequels. That That's incredible. Yeah, no, I was excited for this one because I knew um, Lana Wachowski was coming back to do this one. And that's always exciting when they get the original filmmaker to come back. So hopefully um, it'll be something interesting and worthwhile. So I'm, I'm excited to see it. Lars, like, texted me. I, I don't know if it was sincere or sarcastic. Like, are you excited for the next one? And I'm like, yeah, I am.
1: <laughs> it was slightly sarcastic, but genuinely curious. Because you strike me as more of a... Of the three of us, I think I would describe you as the most likely to be a Matrix fan, Lewis. Would you agree with that, Mike?
0: Um, I I would have thought it'd be actually you, Lars.
2: Interesting. But, but I, <laughs> Lars likes popular things. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I, I could see Lewis having contrarian opinions on the, the the sequels, but I could see Lars insisting that the first one was one of the greatest movies ever made.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I'm not sure I believe that, but I can see that.
0: <laughs> oh, that's good. I, I didn't realize was Lana Wachowski not involved. With the, so she's just coming back. Cause it's, it's the matrix, right? She, she was involved with the, the sequels, right?
2: Yeah, no, um, I was trying to think, like, what's a, a franchise where, uh obviously, she directed this with her sister, then brother, the other Wachowski sibling. Um And I was trying to think, it's like, is this the only franchise where it's like, it's like major media franchise where it's all been directed by the same person? And then I was like, oh, Michael Bay directed the five Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good but point. Like, I mean, like, Alien, Ridley Scott didn't, only did the first one. Uh, Star Wars, George Lucas handed it off. Halloween, like any uh, other uh, major uh, film franchise.
1: I mean, Terminator up to a point.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, up to a point. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, I mean,
2: yet, would you would you see a trans, tran, Transformers? Would you see a Terminator movie if Jim, James Cameron came back?
1: Yes, I've I, mean, only, I, I think yeah, I. That's yeah. the only case in which I think this I would was, see one at this point.
0: I saw Genesis in theaters. It was very bad. Yeah, it, 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 you're right. I, I think Ridley Scott did come back to direct Prometheus, right? And yeah. And also...
2: And also George Lucas came back, but... Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: But but there were obviously breaks in between.
2: So I'm I'm excited to see. I feel like different than sort of the Star Wars prequels are like... I guess Prometheus was similar to what they're trying to do. It's more of a, this is a, a clean slate where it's like anything can really happen in this movie. I mean, we've seen the trailer. We have some idea that Neo and Trinity are in it, despite the fact that they're dead. But, like, <laughs> I hope, like, that's that's sort of, like, just, like, the first act stuff, and then it'll go somewhere, like, really, really interesting and weird.
0: Yeah, well, did you did you see, too, the whole thing about Morpheus, where apparently Morpheus dies in the Matrix MMORPG that existed? And yeah. so they have... It's not Lawrence Fishburne. I think it's Corey Hawkins playing this isn't it, um
2: Isn't it the guy from Aquaman, Yahula you know, uh, Martin, who plays? Oh Black yes, Hitta. yes, Candyman yeah,
0: now. Yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen. Yes, yes, not Corey Hawkins. Yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen. You're right. Um, so it's like nobody really knows what the, the deal with that is. So yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I could see. I feel like the Wachowskis haven't really made a, 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 a like universally appreciated movie in a while so yeah i am. oh i liked cloud atlas
2: i i, I really liked cloud did atlas not. when i
0: saw it it was it was a very was, long time ago it
2: was uh funny when we were in college mike were yeah. you at that when we all went to the free yeah. screening of yeah, yeah. I and there. it was like it was like uh when, when mike and i went to college everyone like uh was in one of three classes and mike was in western philosophy and we were in the film, film class, and it's like everyone who saw Cloud Atlas, the film people loved it, and the western philosophy people hated it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's um, funny
0: because there, there are scenes where they're literally quoting Plato in that too, which is very weird.
2: Exactly, it's a great movie. Um
0: <laughs> But also not, not, not only directed by the Wachowskis, Tom Tickwer, or Tykwer or whatever, how you pronounce yes, his name. Tom it. Yes. So yeah, that's that's the matrix. Anything we 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 really want out of this matrix movie, anything we really expect, anything else about do, the matrix?
1: Do you think they're going to like directly address the red pill thing and like the reddit thing? Well, yeah, that
2: that's what I was going to say. It's uh, very interesting that they're keeping that element and sort of in the movie despite the fact that's been co-opted by um uh jerks on the internet and Lars for them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that that's a good point. Um, I I mean, they they literally have the pills in the trailer, so I don't know. It's interesting too because it's like I've read people like obviously, you know, these uh, the, the 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 phenomena, if you will, of of red pilling or using red pilling in such a way. It's interesting because I I listened to a podcast where this person was making like a very convincing argument that like the Matrix is about being like a closeted trans person which is really kind of the opposite of what all these people who use the phrase red pill would approve of. Yeah, I, let me just see what happens. Did, did any of you guys go to, like, the, the, the movie's official website? I don't know if this is still up, but it's like you can pick which pill you want. Um, oh, and you do yeah. it, and it, well, it does this little spiel, but then it actually tells you exactly what time it is.
2: You should have seen it. It's more interesting than Mike uh, makes it sound. It's, it's like an interesting... <laughs> It's like it makes you imagine like all the cool possibilities that you can do with trailers now on the Internet and how mm-hmm. they can like go into like your geocaching and tell you personal information Um yeah. <laughs> to like freak you out. Because when I saw it, I was like, hey, that's the time it is now. <laughs> What's yeah. going on? But that, I think it's interesting that the, the the whole pill thing has been so um at the forefront of the marketing, which on one hand, I'm glad that they're sort of like taking it back from the people who are on the internet. The other time it's like why why focus on that pill thing? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um,
0: why bring attention to it? But I guess, you know, you're kinda letting the terror the quote unquote terrorists win if 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 yeah. like, you know, yes. you let them take we
2: don't, don't need to, to let Lars win. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't let Lars win. <laughs>
1: It's like this is like college all over again. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's um, do the next trailer, Mike. <laughs> yeah. So
2: the other one
0: uh, is Spider-Man: No Way Home, which is of course the third. It's the it's the third Spider-Man Disney produced movie. Really should have reversed that. The first, the third Disney produced Spider-Man movie. It is the eighth overall to come out. Well, if, no, actually, if you count Spider-Verse, it is the Ninth overall to come out in the past uh, 19 plus years. And it uh, caused quite a stir because it implies that uh, some characters from the Sony series of Spider-Man, namely uh, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin and Alfred Molina's Doctor Octopus, and perhaps even Jamie Foxx's Electra, will be making appearances in this film. How do we feel about that? Are we pro? Are we anti? Are we excited? Do we think it's going to be a huge mess? What What do we all think?
1: I'm, I'm going to go with tentatively excited. I I'm not sure. Uh, I I know they have like some planned out for it. I'm not sure. I I don't have. I'm not like a huge fan of the like standalone Spider-Man movies that have come out of Marvel to begin with. But I think this could be a way to like reinvigorate it, and obviously completely change the. The tide.
2: I disagree. (laughs) I I remember a time when you would watch movies and you would um, get lost in the excitement of Mm -hmm. escaping into another world instead of being excited to watch um, a movie with Hollywood actors, bring back other Hollywood actors from older movies, and they come back. And it's like, look, we got them. We hired them to stand in front of a green screen. Give us all your money, please. So I'm not looking forward to this movie.
1: Oh,
0: I am, uh, my interest is peaked, I guess. Like, I, I just, I just want to see what happens, right? Yeah. I don't know if that there's, like, excitement, and I'm excited in that regard, right? It's like, it's like, let's see what happens, like, I, and that's kind of what interests me about sort of, like, the post-Thanos MCU, I guess, is this idea of, like, you know, what, what are they, what can they do? What are they going to do? (laughs) And, like, I don't, it, they have almost become, it has almost become, like, (laughs) talking back to our other episode it's almost become like Godzilla in a way where like the, the continuity continuity is like on the verge of being completely broken. And, um, they're just kind of like churning these, these things out to churn them out. But I'm, I'm just curious to see what happens. You know, it, it will be a fascinating moment in the history of franchise filmmaking. Whatever, yeah.
1: Whatever, then, I, you'll, I gotta know what happens, right?
2: You're like the Soviets who are like, I wonder what would happen if we launched a dog into space. Oh, my God. will not that be
0: Yeah, but, the, but no one's going to die. So, you know, no harm, no foul.
1: What? like is a national hero, Lewis. He is um, hero
2: of Great Soviet Republic. There, like there, one.
1: there are, like, there are a couple things in the trailer that do kind of genuinely bother me, though. So my, the first thing is, so the premise is, like, you know they're leaning into the post-credit scene of the last Spider-Man movie a lot, right? Where the it's <laughs> J. Jonah Jameson tells the world that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, and mm-hmm. that's how the plot of this presumably starts. And so he wants Doctor Strange to cast a spell to make that not the case and change the world. And Doctor Strange is like doing this, and Peter's like, "Wait, does that mean Aunt May won't know, and like it, and my friends won't know, and Zendaya won't know?" <laughs> And Doctor Strange is like, well, yeah, and it was, like, too late, right? He can just go tell them again. It's not a big deal. Like, he did this before. It's okay,
0: you know? (laughs) I mean, that whole thing reminded me of One More Day, which is considered one of the worst Spider-Man stories in the history of Spider-Man, where in order to save the life of Aunt May... Spider-Man cuts a deal with Mephisto to basically just retcon his entire timeline, so he's no longer married to Mary Jane, except there's one, and nobody remembers that he was married to Mary Jane, and also nobody remembers he's Spider-Man, because by that point everybody knew, except for one little piece of his soul that's constantly crying out in agony that, like, entertains <laughs> Mephisto. And it's terrible, and people hated it, and it's not very good. So it had, it was very much reminding me of that. and got me kind of worried, and also I'm just like not super charmed by Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange in general. But. I,
1: I think he does better in films where he has other people to work with. Like, I actually really liked him in Infinity War, but I did not care for the Doctor Strange movie, period.
2: I agree. He works better in films with other actors. <laughs> okay, He's completely Lewis. isolated. Okay, Louis. in a, <laughs> <laughs> boy. A,
0: a one-man Doctor Strange show. <laughs>
1: I've, I've got, I have a, I have a question for you guys though. Am I the only one who is convinced that Daredevil will not be in this movie?
2: Oh, and, I don't, I don't expect uh, Charlie Cox to be in this movie if that's what you're asking.
1: Pe- people seem to be, cause there's this scene in the trailer where like Peter needs like a lawyer and he's sitting at the, you know, he's in like a police station and people are like, oh my god, you know, Daredevil's gonna get introduced and it's gonna be Charlie Cox. And I'm pretty sure Charlie Cox has been saying like, People are really like. So if this is the case, someone needs to let me know.
2: <laughs> I thought it's going to read- be. It's going to be She Hulk. Uh, that
1: could be that. See that. That makes more sense to me. But people seem to be very convinced that Daredevil will be introduced in the movies in this.
0: Yeah, I I thought I had read somewhere that he was going to be in something or he had filmed something, but. That may have just been speculation. Yeah, I, I, I get the feeling that Marvel's just kind of running away from those Netflix shows as to, much as they can, to which people is a that, shame.
2: To all the people that want the Netflix characters in the MCU, it's not because of any legal reason. It's because they hate you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reason.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of MCU shows, the other big trailer, as I mentioned, was for the Hawkeye show, uh, starring Jeremy Renner and... What's her name? Haley um, Steinfeld. Haley Steinfeld True of True Grit fame.
2: And, and a pop star, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. yeah.
1: One better than the other. Yes.
2: She's a better
0: actor. Yes. Uh, she will star as Kate Bishop, who's also known as Hawkeye. Uh, what? So I, I'm i a big fan of the Matt Fraction and David Aja, or Aja, or however you pronounce it, run of the Hawkeye comic books, which is... Seems what most of this movie, uh, not movie, this TV show is based on. So I was, like, kind of excited for it. And I watched the trailer and was like, oh, right, they have to tie it in with, like, everything else that's happening in the MCU. And that actually made me less excited for it. But I mean, all, they don't I mean, have
1: to. They're choosing to.
0: Well, yes. But also, I feel like there was kind of this, like, weird Shane Black vibe to the whole trailer which was like, ah, oh, this, this could, and then I was literally like, oh, it'd be cool if Shane Black directed a Marvel movie, and then I remembered yeah. that he did. He directed Iron Man 3. Which um, famously so. was
1: so good.
2: It's very I mean, Iron it, it, it grossed more money than Iron Man 1 and 2, I believe. Yeah. It's like the 10th highest grossing movie of ours, so by that metric, it's good.
1: Yeah.
0: Hmm. Well, what did, what did we think of, of, of the trailer for this, though?
1: So I actually think I had the same thought process you did, Mike, because this, when Disney... Plus announced it was going to do all these like tie-in TV series. This is the one I've been waiting for. I'm, I've always been a big Hawkeye defender. Uh You see my pun there—the Defenders Hawkeye. Get it?
0: It's not very good. Are you being okay, sarcastic? Or? No,
1: <laughs> but I've al- I've always like really liked Jeremy Renner's Hawkeye, and I am not excited for this now that I've seen the trailer. It's they've really leaned into, like you said, the, like a Shane Black kind of vibe um they've made it too like cutesy and i want hawkeye to be like dark and murderous again
0: but 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 that no because so the bat fraction series it is kind of like shane placky it's even like people even compare it to like wes anderson like it is like yeah. it has a sense of humor
2: well the the thing that also because i i like that particular run of comics too the thing that really <laughs> makes it is it's um very stylized mm-hmm. in the way it's yeah. presented and that that really is uh Missing, not not that I expected it, not that I was expecting that, because that would obviously be very hard to do, but um, it was just really, like, the most um, cookie-cutter version. And also, I'm not really, uh, uh, I'll disagree with Lars, where I, I like Hawkeye murderous, because I thought that was, like, out of a, cause I didn't really care for Endgame all that much, but I really didn't care for, like, that part, plot, where Hawkeye became a vicious assassin-murderer. <laughs> And then by the end of the movie, it's like, hey, guys, it's me, Hawkeye, again. I'm fine. My family's back. Hey. So I'm not really looking forward to um, more but, um, absolution for a guy who doesn't really deserve it.
1: I'm, but I don't want absolution, right? I, I want it to be darker. I want him to be – Yeah. Hawkeye doesn't actually get a lot of plot development, which is weird because he's one of the few features – few Avengers who, who's like family we meet. I also don't believe Linda Cardellini is in the trailer at all, now that I think about it, who were plays you, his
2: wife. Were you expecting her?
1: Kind of, because his family, his children are in the trailer.
2: Yes, they are. Um,
1: I, I I don't know. What about the Captain so, America musical, guys? Oh,
2: God. <laughs> here we go. Ugh. How, uh, do you think that's going to tie in at all? I guess it must. They must have tickets to it if they show people watching it.
0: I mean why why would it be in the trailer if not? Um
2: to get you to watch it.
0: <laughs> There's a little, the old bait and switch. Here are some scenes not in this movie that we're gonna show in the trailer anyway. Um, they, they
1: have done that before.
0: Yeah. The, like like the 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 most recent Fantastic four movie. Um <laughs> How, how do we feel about Jeremy Renner, like in general? I feel like his stock has gone very
2: much down the past few years.
1: Oh, absolutely. No, I, I don't think he's like a particularly good guy.
2: But do you have evidence to back up your claims that he's a bad man?
1: <laughs> uh, well, d- he he's he's not a. I would not call him a devout feminist.
2: Okay. Okay. <laughs> never mind. Let's let's go back to acting. How do you feel about him as an actor? Was wasn't
1: he accused of something?
2: I don't yes. know, but you know, allegedly, whatever. Let's go back to him as an actor.
0: Yes, he, he there. Yes, he he was accused of. Um, well, during his divorce, some stuff came out that he may have abused his wife. Yes, right.
1: How do we feel about uh, Haley Steinfeld?
0: I think she's a good
1: actress. I think she's a good pick. She I, looks like Kate Bishop. Yeah.
2: I liked her in True Grit. I don't know if I've seen her in anything else that was um, as good. And everything I've seen, Paine's is, like, a really, um, uh, like, she's, like, really itching to, like, be the next big thing, and that sort of turns me off of her. So I, I don't know. I don't really have any strong opinions about Jeremy Renner or Haley Steinfeld either way.
1: Okay. She's, she's in she's Bumblebee. Good.
2: She's good in The Edge of Seventeen. That's a good movie.
0: That's, uh... Alright, those, those are the trailers. Um but like, on at, wait, wait, yes. wait.
2: Can we talk to of music? Did you, did you like in the Hawkeye trailer when they used Andy Williams, the most wonderful time of the year, but it was ironic? Yeah, it was fine.
0: <laughs> I mean, it worked well with the trailer. It was, you know, it's a high energy song, a well, high energy song, but it's a, uh, beat, yeah, yeah. Like I said, that was, you know, the whole Shane Black thing. It was that during Christmas while people were getting shot, you know. <laughs> What, what more do you need? So let's move on now to I was say move on to the real world, I guess. this is not about fiction, this is about real life. but um, John Mulaney, kind of been going through it in the public sphere. I just to, get, to give you guys a quick rundown. not that I'm sure you need any reminder. So he wasn't rehab. He filed divorce from his wife for a law of a few years. Um, he is seen hanging out with Olivia Munn, It is revealed quite recently that Olivia Munn's pregnant, and he talked about all this on Seth Meyers. I did not actually watch the episode, though. But, um, yeah, it's been like a whole, like, I don't know, I spend way too much time on Twitter, so maybe I have a, uh, skewed perspective on this, but, uh, seems like a lot of people are talking about it and are unhappy. Do we... Are we like, are people, are, are you guys like, do you have feelings about it like either way? Like?
1: No. I, I, I don't think, uh, I, I don't care. He's like a, a private person. He hasn't done anything wrong that I'm aware of. Well. This is his private life. I mean, he hasn't done anything wrong in this situation. What,
0: Whatever. what, what is your feeling? And I know how I feel about it. Of, of people who are like, well, this bums me out because he talked about his wife in his set, and now it makes me sad that they're not married anymore. That's every
1: comedian. No <laughs> comedian has ever like stayed married. It's not a career that breeds marital bliss. I, I, I don't know. I feel like I have depressingly little to say, but in like a good way. It's like I don't, I don't get why people are worked up.
2: Yeah, I was kind of um, I was kind of on, on the way not. Uh, sort of turning against John Mulaney before this whole thing happened because I I missed his last special that came out and everyone was telling me like you gotta check it out and then I was like no I'm not gonna check it out so because <laughs> me to it. so I was like you know what screw John Mulaney I don't need him anymore I've seen the Law and Order thing I've seen the Hot Horse in a Hospital bit I don't I've got all the John Mulaney I need. And then, like all this stuff was happening, and I was like, "Yes, good. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's manifesting in reality, just as I planned." Um, and then, then I then I watched. Uh, I actually watched the Seth Meyers thing last night, and I was like, "Oh, it was pretty good." You know, seems like he went went through a lot of stuff and recovery, and you know, it seems good. So he seems happy and glad that to have a baby, and you know, hopefully his recovery sticks because it's not good if when you're in recovery because then you can you know relapse and then your tolerance isn't as strong so you can od pretty quickly from what i hear so hopefully he he stays on the road to recovery and that he has a good uh base of friends like seth meyers and fred Armisen, and I'm, I'm sure some other non-famous non-funny people who will help <laughs> him get through this tough time
0: don't forget nick kroll no
2: i no i <laughs> <laughs> i was including him in the latter latter of people
0: oh not a nick kroll fan huh? Yeah, I, the whole reaction's been very weird. I'm actually probably going to be working for one of my classes, working on like a project about the use of the word parasocial in regards to this, which I, has like taken I, over Twitter. I,
1: I, I have seen that word more times in the last two weeks than I have ever seen it before. Exactly,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, it is, do you think this is like a uniquely 21st century thing? This idea that people, Think that they, that they feel personally wronged because John Mulaney has acted this way. Do we think that this, that like, you know, if this had happened to like Eddie Murphy at the height of his career, people would have felt the same way. Like, I'm trying to like, sort of like, figure out why this is happening, I guess. And Lewis mm-hmm. seems like he has
2: thoughts. I wanna say it's not a uniquely 21st century thing, Mike. It's just that the tools have changed with uh Twitter and social media. But anyone who's watched uh old Looney Tunes cartoons from the forties when they parody the crooners, you know, like your Dean Martins, Frank Sinatras, what have you, this is a rush of like women rushing the stage and it's like, oh, it's like so the these sorts of attachments have been around for, for a long, long time. Like, you know, the Beatles, Elvis, like parasocial relationships have been around forever. So just wanted to throw that in. My well thoughts. yeah, I I
0: I know that, but like the idea of like personal betrayal, right? Like, were were did people feel personally betrayed when Frank Sinatra divorced his first wife? Like, I don't know. I'm not I, expecting you to know either. But like that—that's—that's that's what I'm like wondering about. Like, I and I said on Twitter, I was like, if Fleetwood Mac had like existed now, people would be like demanding reparations from them, right, for like the way they behave. I,
1: you know. I, I think yes and no, Mike. I, I think what's different now is I I was reading a Vox article kind of explaining this whole parasocial thing that I think this article is now over two or three weeks old. But, and, and they they made the point, uh, actually this ties into a sister podcast of ours, uh, Watching Mates, is they made the point that under like Obama, I see John Mulaney actually is a very like Obama era person and in the same, you know, they, they say Lin-Manuel Miranda and like the character Leslie Nope. Uh, are like similar in that vein. It's like these are very like positive pop culture like figures attached to this kind of brand of like public, like (laughs) optimism, uh, in, in the, in a pub, in the public sphere. And like John Mulaney is very much in that crowd, right? As I, I see John Mulaney as like an Obama era comedian. And I think that's what is slightly different in this situation.
0: Yeah, I get, I. I guess that makes sense. I don't know. You were kind of shaking your head, Lewis. Do you disagree? I
2: I, I don't know. John Mullaney's always seemed like such a throwback kind of a comedian. I never associate like, it's like, wow, he's so modern. He's so hip. He's really pushing the envelope with his jokes about law and order. So if Lamar's <laughs> calls him an Obama era comedian. I, I, I'm just i just not,
1: not, not, not because he's of that age more because of like how he acts. Right. Is he, uh, and when he came to prominence, right, he came to prominence in this era at the same time as like Lin-Manuel Miranda. Right. As, as I see them, as kind of actually in a similar vein that they're both, you know, very positive And they, they have produced creative works, but they obviously have a huge brand outside of that. It's like Lin-Manuel Miranda is just like a personality now. Yes, he did Hamilton. But I mean, he's now all over the place. Right. Everyone associates Lin-Manuel Miranda with like this brand of democratic politics.
0: It does feel like an innocent power kind of thing, which is kind of why I think that maybe the reaction is to so see like the idea that uh these rich and powerful people can be your friends, but not just in a way that you want to hang out and have a good time, but also in a way that you expect them to be like good people yes. and 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 I think that that's probably what's kind of different,
1: yes, to wrap up this point with the Obama thing, I think where I was going with this is. John F. Kennedy, Bill Clinton had affairs and people were just like, let's just get past it. In Obama's case, there were people like I I remember being told it's like if I found out that Obama had like an affair, I would be crushed. And I feel like that was not the prevail. It's ironic, right, because we're in a way more progressive place socially now. But I feel like we put that standard on Obama that we would not have on clearly Bill Clinton or John F. Kennedy or, you know, FDR.
2: That that is true, Lars. That is an interesting point. But I was thinking about this last night, and it's like sadly, it's like a tr- story. Or, sadly, it's like a truism that I think applies to every Americans. That we love to watch a rising star, but we love even more to watch them fall. It's just for whatever reason, we like watching people succeed, and then when they get too successful, we're just waiting for that moment to pounce, swarm in, and that's what's happened with John Mulaney. It's happened with other people before. It'll happen with more people next week or the year after that. It's just whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting too, though, because it's like, I feel like he's now in like the, the bounce, like the rebound. Like, I don't think that he thinks that I feel like there are people who think that him getting Olivia Munn pregnant is like the nadir of their John Mulaney experience. But I think John Mulaney is doing fine for the most, as fine as he can do fresh out of rehab. Right. Yeah, like I don't get the sense that he's he feels particularly embattled right now.
2: Yeah, yeah, he seems to have weathered the storm better than most for whatever yeah. reason. He seems to have gotten past it pretty, pretty quickly and smoothly. So hopefully, it'll stick.
0: Yeah. Well, we wish him and Olivia Munn and their impending child the best. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So
2: all the people that wanted to know what we thought about John, Marley, <laughs> um, now you know.
0: So in more recent news, this just happened today, uh, Rolling Stone, that magazine, they released an updated list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. They had, re- they had released uh, a list in 2004, but obviously the world has changed a lot <laughs> in, uh, you know, a decade plus since uh, that list came out. And so they have released a new list. And, not, it, it, it like, whenever you talk about these things, right, it's not just that new music has come out, which is obviously a big thing, but it's also that the people who write about music change, right, The people who vote on these things have changed, and as such, the list changes as well. So I think we're going to run down the top ten songs in this list, a list that I have a lot of problems with. Outside of a sheer concept, I think the idea of trying to make a list of 500 greatest songs of all time is kind of stupid, but... Um, yeah, let, let's go with number 10. So number 10, they have Heya by Outkast. I feel like that's actually a pretty good spot. I,
1: I don't mind it. It's, it's definitely one of the, like, most famous songs of all. Everyone knows that song. Yes. And it's good. It's a good song.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, it's certainly a song I know <laughs> that I have heard of. Is it like... Is it transcendently good? Like, does it, did it change the music?
1: I'm going to argue yes. I'm going to argue it's definitely, possibly the most transcendent song from the 2000s. I'm sure Mike's going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I'm not far off.
0: I, you, I think you could make a, a very good case that it's the greatest song from the 2000s.
1: Well, well there you go. Wow, Mike and I, and there you go. I, I Daft it, it
2: Punk is, included?
1: Yes. It, it, I mean, Daft it, it Punk was didn't do a lot during the 2000s. The it, biggest uh, stuff was in the 90s. 2001,
2: Discovery was 2001, the album.
1: Yeah, least. but Discovery is not a great Daft Punk album.
0: Well,
2: what you you're, you're in the about? minority
0: on that feeling, Lars. Okay. Yeah, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, okay. Even, even if I'm not, like, also the huge fan of it. But the rest of the world disagrees. Sure, um, fair. But yeah, I think this is the only 2000 song in the top ten. I'm okay with that. There is, uh, I think if, there is at least one Daft Book song on I haven't read the whole list because it's 500 damn cool. entries long. Don't yeah. spoil anything yet. <laughs> yeah. There is at least one Daft Book song. Get Lucky is on here somewhere. Yeah. Um, but Outcast, yeah, it, it's a song that I think has become, like, timeless. Like, you can't really date it. Even, even like even my parents who do not like rap like this song. But so. it's
1: not even a rap song. I think exactly. that's what, part of what makes it transcendent. It's yeah. actually very hard to like
2: pinpoint. But I don't know if exactly your parents bringing it up is a point in its favor. Doesn't that take away cool points? Because like my parents brought up this song not too long ago too. It's like. I-
0: It's not about cool. It's it's, it's, it's about (laughs) about lame. Um, The fact that it can still sound cool, even though your parents like it, is what matters. Number nine on the list is "Dreams" by Fleetwood Mac. A good song. I don't think it gets ranked this high if that like viral stuff about like listening to dreams while you're on a skateboard doesn't happen. Um,
2: But it's, it's it's.
0: is, is it the ninth best song of all time? Probably not. I, it's good.
1: I actually think my feeling on most of the rest of these songs is like, yes, this is a great song, but it is not in the top ten best songs of all time. Yeah. I think it's funny, though, that the Outcast one is the exception. Mm-hmm.
2: I, didn't, I didn't realize you were so down on Fleetwood Mac. Uh, like, um, I, like,
0: I like Fleetwood Mac. I just think that this is not one of the ten greatest songs of all time. It's probably my favorite Fleetwood Mac song. Hey, well,
1: there you go. Yeah, Rumors yeah. is a really good album.
0: But, yeah. like, I, what annoys me about this song, though, and this is a very personal and specific thing, but, like, I was at a bar the other weekend, and there was a jukebox there, and this guy went to the jukebox twice, and it was, like, like three songs for a dollar, and both times he picked Dreams, and I could just tell he was waiting for someone to be like, oh, yeah, good choice. Like, it's gotten, like, to it's, it's at that, like, that place in the culture now. Was for, that like, guy John Mulaney? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, because he shouldn't be in a, B in a bar. But I, I feel like it's reached, it's, it's become almost a meme, I feel like, in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wh- which, which is a shame, because, like I said, it's a great song that stands on its own, even without all yeah. that. Yeah,
2: I think it's a great song, too. I would have picked Little Lies personally, but that's just my personal opinion. But I think, I think it's good. I think you guys are being way too harsh.
1: It's, they've ranked it the ninth best song ever in human <laughs> history. This is also a very, I, I've been like glazing through this list as we go through it. It's a very, uh, anglocentric list. Well, yeah. As, <laughs> yeah. But what, what are you as, expecting?
2: No, uh, no I know. I, of
1: course I expect that from the Rolling Stones. I'm just like, you know.
2: I also presume it's very <laughs> recency biased, like there's nothing pre-1900 on the list. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, like um, Beethoven yeah. got shafted, I uh, That's
1: probably true. I have not seen him yet.
2: <laughs> Number eight. So I was
0: wrong about Hey ya being the only song in 2000s in the top ten. This other one is also from the 2000s. Get Your Freak On by Missy Elliott. I like Missy Elliott. I feel like there is a whole generation a few years older than us. That really loves Missy Elliott, and I've never been able to get quite on their level of her. Uh, I, I think I prefer Work It and uh, I Can't Stand the Rain better than this song, but it's it's fine.
1: Yeah, this is another song where it's like it should not be top 10. I could see it being top 200. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would put Work It above this one. As yeah, well. I, I agree Lars, there, Mike.
2: Lars, who's your top eighth favorite president? <laughs> i I could probably tell like, you if you gave like me a what, minute like you could just like look at something it's like oh there have only been that's not top eight
1: there have only been 45 presidents lewis there have,
2: four lars are you counting both of cleveland i am that's
1: right? why i'm saying 45 joe biden is the 46th president even no, if no, he's no. a illegitimate one
2: so, <laughs> There's only 45, Is Garfield... To, to That's me. why
1: I said top 45.
2: You okay. mean Cleveland. Yes.
0: Lewis, do you have thoughts on Miss... Do you know who Missy Elliott is? No, I... <laughs> <laughs>
2: she sounds like a lady of the realm. Um, uh, no, no, no. Uh, I, I know who she is. I, I do not know this song in particular, unless Mike can point me to like a TV show or movie memorable appearance that it's in. Where it'll spark something, but I, I don't know this song off the top of my head and have no thoughts, therefore, on it. Uh,
0: you, you, you would know, you would know the, like, sample if you heard it, but, uh, I can't point to it being in, like, a TV show or anything like that. I, even I'm sure it has. Number seven is actually one that gets me kind of upset. <laughs> it is Strawberry Fields Forever by the Beatles. Ooh. This, this is, this is the only Beatles song in the top ten, and it is not the best Beatles song, like, by a mile.
1: No, so, I I'm a I am yeah. am a big Elton John fan and he does like a cover of this and I don't like I don't like this song, period. It 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 just reeks of like an L C D trip that is not interesting to me at all. And and like of all of the Beatles songs, they're gonna tell me this is their best song.
2: Well thanks for spoiling the rest of the list, Lars.
1: <laughs> Mike just said it's the only one in the top
2: ten. I guess I guess that's true. Yeah, no that that's uh, that is surprising. That threw me for a loop. This reeks of someone at the Rolling Stone likes this song because yeah, I'm sure there's like ten, twenty other songs you could pick, Mike, that that are better than this song. Um, personally, like I know, like probably like I want to hold your hand is probably like the most basic Beatles song, but it's like I think that's probably better than Strawberry Fields Forever.
0: It's, yeah, I, and again, it's one of those things where it's, like, I don't really understand, like, I would think that something like A Day in the Life, even if it's not, like, your favorite Beatles song, but, like, you can point to it and be, like, well, this was, like, a really important moment in, like, using the studio as an instrument, or the same thing with Tomorrow Never Knows, right? Um Like, these songs that were, like, very, very innovative that I feel like younger writers would, would gravitate towards, and I don't really understand how this got on. Um, I- you're at least not as high as it did. I,
2: I bet we can all think of uh, songs that each of the four Beatles released individually. Right? That's <laughs> yeah, the best yeah. song that we would put on the list.
0: Probably. Uh, maybe not Ringo. But, I don't have a uh, one for Ringo.
1: What's that? I definitely don't have one for Ringo.
2: I, I can name or like one. probably
1: person. Paul McCartney. Live and Let oh, Die? Li- live and li- okay, yeah. Live and Let Die. And
0: listen, listen to the album Ram it is revelatory. It's a Paul McCartney solo record. After that, we have What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. A good pick. I, 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 yeah, good pick. I get why it's on here. Yeah, you know, very socially important, I think. I don't know the uh, the production really holds up very well, and I feel like Marvin Gaye is one of those artists that people kind of agree on as being just like an upper echelon dude, and if you're going to pick a Marvin Gaye song, um, you're probably not going to go – like. I I might like if I if I'm picking a random Marvin Gaye song to play, I'm probably going to go with like his earlier Motown stuff just because that's what I prefer. But if you're going to pick like, you have to pick the greatest Marvin Gaye song ever recorded. You'd probably go with this one.
1: This is certainly his most important song. It's probably not my favorite though, but I, I I'm totally okay with this being in a top ten.
2: Uh, yeah, sort of echoing what Laura said. I did a, I did a project on this song for school not like a big extensive thing, but like, I understand it's cultural and historical importance, but yeah, like me personally, it's, um, I don't, I like, I, I've heard a lot about Marvin Gaye, but I haven't, he doesn't really like, I don't like connect with like a lot of his music. So, uh, but I understand it's cultural importance. So I understand why it's on the list.
0: Yeah. So that, that's a good choice. Number five, uh, smells like teen spirit by Nirvana. Oh, <laughs> always interest. It's just always interesting where they kind of like try to slot in Nirvana. I I I like Nirvana. My guess is I'm probably the person on this call who likes Nirvana the best.
1: <laughs> I, I like like three of their songs. I I cannot think of this song without thinking of the very literal interpretation and use of this song in Moulin Rouge where the people are going here we are now, entertain us. <laughs> I was, <laughs> going into a theater.
2: I was gonna say I can't think of this song without thinking of the superior Weird Al Yankovic Smells Like Nirvana <laughs> music video, which I I want to know if Rolling Stone was actually listening to Smells Like Teen Spirit, or maybe they accidentally put on Smells <laughs> Like Nirvana. Because if they were, Weird Al was robbed of this spot on the Rolling Stone list. Um yeah, I don't know if you have anything more to add about it, but I, that's pretty much all I have to say. Well, I, I yeah. think
0: it's interesting. So, uh, people, like, always treat this song as, like, a lightning bolt moment in the history of music that sort of uh, brought the alternative to the mainstream and just really kind of upended the the music industry and, like, killed hair metal and all this stuff. And, like, I'll have to take their word for it because I was not alive <laughs> in 1991. But it's it, it I, like, I don't know, that... that I I just would really love to talk to somebody who was, like, a teenager when this song came out and be like, was this as big a deal as everybody says it was, right? Because it's very hard for me to imagine music like Nirvana's making such a huge impact on the broader culture that it really changed the way people thought about music because it's just the kind of music that is not popular right now, really. I mean, there are lots of bands who are inspired by Nirvana, but none of them are getting, like, played on the radio or having, like, a huge impact on anything on the charts. So I just... Um, the, the their level of fame just has always, like, I've never really had a good reference point for, like, how big they were. It's not my favorite Nirvana song. Drain You is probably their best song, if you ask me. But I guess if you feel like you have, have an alternative rock song in the top ten, this is probably what you're going to pick. So, yeah, whatever.
2: I was actually talking with uh, Jonah Ray, and he was talking about how Nirvana or Nirvana and Kurt Cobain sort of changed everything and he was like 10 in 1992 for reference so I would you know th- that mm-hmm. that's some sort of first-hand account of how they changed music forever
0: all right well after Lewis picks that name off the floor um, yeah. gonna... <laughs> no that, that that is good context though yeah so I, I it probably did it's just like hard for me to comprehend I guess Number four, we have Like a Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan. So this was the number one greatest song when they did the list back in 2004. Interesting. It's probably... I, it's definitely the most famous Bob Dylan song. I It's probably one of my favorites. I It's a really good song. I really like this song. Um, it's a great chorus. You know, I'm not one of those people who think Bob Dylan is like a prophet, but... I appreciate him, and this is my favorite, one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs. I don't really have much else to add aside Uh, that it makes sense it would be ranked so high.
1: I'm just gonna say I don't really care for Bob Dylan. Certainly his voice, he's writing. Yeah, I get he's a great writer. I'm just not really a fan of his music. Like I, I, for me, he musically peaked with the band. (laughs) So this is not my cup of tea. But I'll I'll acknowledge that and say I don't know. I
2: like when he went electric. That's my Bob Dylan. I mean, I, I I know all the stories about Bob Dylan in the '60s and whatnot. So I'm, uh I guess they had to pick one, right? They couldn't just say like the entirety of his '60s output because this is what like won him the Nobel Peace Nobel Prize. Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> <laughs> I I, sh- I cut myself off. This is what won him the Nobel Prize. You know, forty five, fifty years later. So. You had to pick a song. I don't know if there's another Bob Dylan song you'd pick over this one, but I had to pick one. Yeah, if
0: I I believe he's the most represented artist on this list, um, hmm. at least if or he's like in like the top three at least. So um, yeah, number three is "A Change Is Going to Come" by Sam Cooke. I think you can make a very good argument that this should be number one. I this uh, is a truly singular an unrepeatable moment in american music you know unfortunately yes it is amplified by sam cook's uh, tragic and controversial death but uh, i think that it is one of the finest vocal record vocal performances ever put to wax um a truly transcendent arrangement and just a really perfect song about hope in a time when someone like sam cook may not have had a lot of hope to begin with so I think you could absolutely make the argument this is like the greatest American song ever recorded, the greatest soul song ever recorded, and probably the greatest song ever recorded. Was this,
2: uh, in One Night in Miami? Yes. Was this song on the last list? The last time?
0: It was, yes.
2: But it was much lower?
0: Uh, let me, let me find
2: out. Cause I'm intrigued to see, like, how much it jumped stuff. what well, I presume with the bump from the movie.
0: I don't know, because it's always been very highly regarded. It was actually um, it was number 12 in 2004 or 2005. Yeah, it was number 12, but back a few years ago, Pitchfork ranked it as the third greatest song of the
1: 1960s. So it's,
0: it's always been very highly regarded. And it's basically a standard too. I mean, like, there was a period of time where, like, almost like like
1: once a season a contestant would sing the song on American Idol the model of any great song yeah um yeah no i i, I agree this is also a good pick for a top 10
0: number 2 i think <sighs> if you're talking about just placement and song this is like i think pretty uh pretty weird <laughs> is fight the power by public enemy certainly an important song certainly an important group I would also say probably not the best public enemy song. Certainly not the best rap song because it is the highest ranked rap song here. And just like this song is just it it I I understand it probably resonates with a lot of people given sort of, you know, the social climate the past year or so. But like it just sounds so dated. It is so late eighties, early nineties, and it is just so it just sounds so creaky to me even though I recognize that it is a perfectly fine song. It is just not, it's not better than a change is going to come. I'll at least leave it at that. (laughs) I
1: I agree. This is definitely, I'm not even like a huge fan of this song. I'm not a big Public Enemy fan to begin with, but your point that like this is the highest ranked like rap song is like pretty damning. It's just not, like I get it's one of the most important rap songs, but it is clearly not the best. I actually think it's very repetitive and gets kind of grating.
2: And that's how the power
1: wins.
2: (laughs) Honestly, I am shocked and chagrined (laughs) at the way you guys disrespect Fight the Power. A great song featured in a great Spike Lee movie, Do the Right Thing. I I just can't believe it. Anthem for the 80s and Anthem for Today. How dare you? Is it the second best
1: song of all time, Lewis?
2: No, but it's a song I enjoy listening to over and over again. You um I do. I made a website for Spike Lee uh for class. It was part of an assignment. And then I had that song playing in the background when you were like, on the website. <laughs> over
1: and over.
2: Oh yeah. boy. And that the person who helped me design it was John Mulaney. <laughs> <laughs> um No, it's it's a great song. I'm I'm sure I mean I guess like rap has changed, but I don't know. Yeah. Like, would you well, I, I I I don't know. I mean I, I don't care for like a lot of rap it's like it doesn't need to have like cursing and whatnot and be all, all slick and talk about uh, bitches and hoes and rims and please drugs release
1: an album, Lewis.
2: And whatnot. But you know, fight the power is a catchy song with a relevant message featured in a great movie.
0: It should be on i l I'm I'm glad we had sending opinion here. It should be on this list. It just should not be where it is.
2: I,
1: I would put it in like the three hundreds.
2: <laughs> but I mean, Mike, you, you you said yourself, given recent events going on, it, it climbed, so obviously there must be some sort of staying power to it.
0: Oh yeah, no, I think there's absolutely staying power to it. And I, I would I would have it higher than three hundred. you you could make an argument that it should be in the double digits. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, old rap is weird because so much of it feels. It, rap has changed so much that I feel like just like the older stuff can feel just like really old and like very primitive. And, yeah. And, and, uh, in a way that's not. And because it's not like, I don't know, you, you, you don't, you don't get like. Because even like, like you, you'll have like current like rock artists be like, oh, I want to, I want to record a song that sounds like an old Rolling Stone song. You don't really get current rap artists being like, I want to create a song that says like an old Public Enemy song. So mm. I don't know. Anyway. You
2: guys, you guys can keep your new music. I'm going to stick with Public Enemy, <laughs> Elvis, Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, and Beethoven. Well, That's all awesome.
1: people who are missing from this list other than Public Enemy, but whatever.
2: Well, they're not in the top Oh, well, They're not
0: in the
1: top 10, yeah.
0: Number one is Respects by Aretha Franklin. An interesting choice. Uh, Aretha Franklin, I think, <laughs> arguably the greatest female vocalist of all time. It's a good song. No one's ever going to ask to turn that song off. Um, <laughs> I Excuse me, sir.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, unless they're like, you know, an old-timey principal in, in like a yeah. 1950s. Or in a library. 60s. Yeah. <laughs> it, I, it seems a little, I, I want to say it seems a little high. It's probably a top ten song. Don't know if I'd make it number one. But, I can't argue with being here, so yeah,
1: yeah. It, not my favorite Aretha Franklin song, but it's definitely her most important i I probably wouldn't do top one, but it'd definitely be top ten top maybe probably know. top five
2: now that you've told me the top one and all the top ten now, I feel like this is list is very reactionary to like things that are going on like one night in Miami came out with Sam Cooke, and now we have like two competing Aretha Franklin properties, so I'm wondering yeah. it's just it all feels very uh like Rolling Stone wants to pat themselves on the back. Uh, yeah. But.
1: That is a good point, Lewis. I think there
0: is some truth to that. I think and I think I think a lot of it is just subliminal, right? I just think people like or subconscious rather, I just think it's people like have been thinking about Aretha Franklin because of the Aretha Franklin movie. And it just kind of slips into their minds. I don't necessarily know that that's 100% intentional. For reference, though, I'm just going to run by very quickly what the top 10 of the 2005 list was, just so we have a point of comparison. Only two songs from the current list was in the former list. So the 2005, number 10 was What I'd Say by Ray Charles. Number nine was Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. Number eight was Hey Jude by The Beatles. Number seven was Johnny Be Good by Chuck Berry. Number six was Good Vibrations by The Beach Boys. Number five was Respect by Ruth Franklin. Number four was What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Number three was Imagine by John Lennon. Number two was I Can't Get No Satisfaction by The Rolling Stones. And number one was like Rolling Stone by Bob Dylan. I was wrong about there only being two in in, in either list. There's
2: actually like four. Um, And going back to recency bias, I know Imagine sort of got a lot of flack last year because Gal Gadot (laughs) (laughs) arranged a sing-along. So I'm wondering if that like, Completely took John Lennon's <laughs> song off the list.
0: No, it, snow. it, Imagine is number 19.
2: I think Imagine's a good song. I'm just gonna put it out there. Um, uh, and it is, it is sort of like what we were saying before, like, Hey Jude, better song than Strawberry Fields Forever, and Imagine, a song by a, ba- a, a single Beatle that is better mm-hmm. than Strawberry Fields Forever. So, it's funny yeah. how that, that changed. What
1: yeah. happens? Different uh, writers, probably, right?
0: Yeah, Well, yeah, different different voters. And for reference, we, we talked about what the highest-ranked song from the 2000s was. Highest-ranked from the 2010s, number 20, Dancing on My Own by Robin. So, hmm. yeah. Interesting. You that information. D- you Dick was. Grayson? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, this was Jason's eye. It was after Dick Grayson left the band.
2: All right. I, <laughs> I think have...
0: we really not What? <laughs> I was
2: going to ask a question about the list. No, do it. Because you said it came out in 2005, right? Mm. And I know in between that time, the documentary Searching for Sugar Man came out, <laughs> featuring the music of Rodriguez. Is any song by Rodriguez on the list?
0: I don't believe so, but I also do not know for sure.
1: It, not in the top 200, <laughs> how far I got.
0: All right. I think really I have one other thing to address, which is uh, a sad item but it is the passing of comedy legend, Norm Macdonald. who was of course on Saturday Night Live, star of the film Dirty Work, and a uh, late night talk show guest extraordinaire. He was a very funny person. And he passed away yesterday after a nine year battle of cancer that was kept pretty much completely secret from the public. Nobody really knew what was going on and it came pretty much out of nowhere to those of us who didn't know him personally. And uh, it sucks. I think it was really funny,
2: and I'm sad to see him go.
1: Yeah, it's sad.
2: Yes, it's certainly sad when a comedian who's brought so much joy to so many people is, is taken from us. Uh, suddenly, it's like, you know, you have to just wonder why why the fun ever has to end. Actually, before we we met to do this recording, I was watching um, a clip from what I feel is, I don't know if underrated is the right word, but from a, a special, Comedy Central special, I really enjoy the Comedy Central roast of Bob Saget. And Norm MacDonald, his set was just, instead of doing a roast with profane quips and whatnot, he just did old 1950s sort of insult jokes. Like he was telling, uh, Greg Giraldo, where it's like you have, uh, like the buzzard of a, a parrot and like the brain <laughs> of a toucan. And it's like, ladies and gentlemen, this man is for the birds. Yeah. And he was telling Gilbert Gottfried. You know, Gilbert, if you go to the restroom and you see the door marked Gentleman, pay no heed, go <laughs> right on in. You won't find a door that says Scoundrel. <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah. very funny.
0: Another, uh, in that, like, similar vein, if you go on YouTube and type in Norm MacDonald Battleaxe, there is a, it, it, it refers to this bit that he did on uh, on Conan's TBS show. Uh which is like also it has this weird sort of like throwback nineteen forties like vibe to it until it gets until the punchline where it kinda takes you by surprise and it's very funny. So yeah. R P Norm MacDonald, and that's it for this episode of the Pony Express. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, as always, I'm Mike Levito. You can find me on Twitter at M. Levito and letterbox at
1: Amerimike. I'm Lars Emerson, you can find me on
2: Letterboxd at Lars Emerson And if you want to get into a parasocial relationship with me I am <laughs> on Letterboxd as well And I'm also at Twitter at Lewis Ryan
0: You can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts Also subscribe to the sister podcast uh, Politics Express Which is our politics show we Keep here. We keep things here strictly non-political and be sure to check out thepostwriter.com, where you can also find this podcast. Till next time, thanks for listening.